All right. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of 321Go Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scanlon. We are joined this week by Miss Lindsay Johnson. Uh, Lindsay has quite an impressive resume when it comes to the CrossFit space. I'm going to give kind of the quick and dirty right now, Lindsay, and then I'll let you dig into the roles that you did at each location. Um, Lindsay was the director of operations at Reebok CrossFit One, uh, the general manager of CrossFit Invictus at Point Loma and Sorrento Valley, which she helped open those locations, which will be a very interesting discussion for us to have. And currently, Lindsay works as the director of customer advocacy at Wattify. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, so as we were talking off air before we started recording, uh, we both kind of agreed that it'd be interesting to talk about this idea of the general manager role in the gym. And uh, in, in a mastermind group that I'm a part of, actually just yesterday, um, one of the gentlemen who owns a CrossFit affiliate was talking about how this is a role that he is very interested in exploring. And moreover, this idea of the CrossFit box owner Going from the you know general manager and or, you know general manager coach role and moving on to this role as like CEO of the gym, which kind of leaves a void for all of the administrative tasks. So, Lindsay, I kind of want to hear from you and um, get an idea of where you see the CrossFit gym. At, at what point do you actually need somebody to manage these sort of administrative tasks for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, this is a, I mean, this is a tricky question because I think it depends. There's a lot of issues depending on like demographic of the gym, um, number of members, you know, what the, the financial situation looks like for the gym owner and that kind of thing. Um, at what point I would say there's two major, maybe three major factors. And one thing that I can say that CJ and Invictus does incredibly well is he treats his employees like professional full-time employees, um, which is a huge, huge benefit, um, for anybody that is working in that space. Um, so healthcare was super important. Um, and CJ was able to provide that for his employees and, um, and then, you know, being able to make a working wage, a working salary, which, um, if you're going to, you know, hire somebody full time and ask them to take on the, uh, the role of managing your business is, um, an important factor. So, and I think also important just in that you want somebody who's looking for, that type of, um, role to take it seriously, put in, you know, a full work week and, um, and, and earn that, earn that pay. So those are two kind of big things to think about before you go and look into hiring that role. Um, those were really important for me when I was, um, you know, brought on into that role. Um, so that's probably the first thing. The The factor for the gym owner is going to be the gym owner opens the gym probably with the desire to do a whole bunch of CrossFit coaching. That's usually why people go into that business. And then they uh, they take themselves away from the CrossFit coaching because the gym, uh, the business has all of these additional needs like billing and scheduling and all the other monster tasks that um, sort of take up their time. And so I would say that it becomes super important when the the members and the, uh, the needs of the gym start to overwhelm the, um, overwhelm the gym owner to the point where they're not able to manage both running the business and the needs of the members. When you start to see members maybe go away because they're not getting enough attention, when, um, retention isn't good, when your attrition becomes higher than, you know, the amount of members that you're bringing in, um, 
you're not able to do any marketing. You're not able to, um, you know, to bring in new members and give them any kind of attention. Um, that's what people pay the big bucks for. That's why people go to CrossFit is so they can have that experience with other humans, whether it's the, the, the gym owner or the coach or the people in their classes, um, that they interact with. Um, because otherwise if they didn't care about that stuff, then they would go to 24 hour fitness, pay $29.99 a month, spend a lot less money and call it a day. So when you start to lose that connection with your members is probably a time to start thinking about it. And then once we clarify whether or not, you know, those other things that I mentioned about finances and, and healthcare and that kind of thing, um, then you can kind of make that decision and maybe go from there. So you had mentioned, um, I believe that, you know, when you invest in staff and you, you pay this wage that they're worth, there should be a significant return on that investment. That should probably be, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That should probably return you a lot more income for that investment than, let's say, mm -hmm. like an air bike would. Um, let's right. hope, right? <laughs> so You would hope. You yeah. would hope. Uh, so, Lindsay, what is that, what are the characteristics of a good general manager? What are these traits that this person needs to have in order to really succeed in that role? Yeah, it's tough to measure that because, you know, a general manager is likely not going to be a, a revenue category. It's not going to be something that you can measure. Um, your GM maybe is a coach and maybe not. I've seen it go both ways where you have um, of somebody who's formerly a CrossFit coach and wants to kind of... Um, you know, grow their career, if you will, and then become a, a general manager. And they just don't like it because it's not why they started in CrossFit to begin with. And so that the passion for the job isn't really there in the same way that it is um, in the coaching capacity. So it gets a little bit tricky. Um, you need to have somebody that's very aware of CrossFit, aware of the culture, aware of the needs of the members, aware of the needs of the business. Um, so potentially somebody who either was a coach and has a desire to maybe do less coaching and a little bit more behind the scenes work. Um, or maybe somebody who was not a coach, but has a really strong understanding of CrossFit and the culture and, um, the needs of the gym, and then does have a desire to, um, do that kind of behind the scenes work because, you know, I'll, I'll be honest as a, a GM of a large facility or a couple of facilities, you're, you're not doing a whole lot of working out. <laughs> And you're not doing a whole lot of coaching. <laughs> um, I coached towards the end of my um, time with Invictus. I coached uh, maybe maybe five times a week, and that was on the high end. Mm -hmm. And that changed a lot because I had other things to do, and then we had to adjust schedules and stuff like that. Are the administrative tasks that you performed during that time something that you grew to enjoy or was that sort of losing that because you started off as a coach, correct? Yeah, I did. Yep. So yep. Uh, how was that for you emotionally? I mean, did, did you miss the coaching aspect or did you like grow to love some of these managerial and administrative tasks? I think I grew, I definitely grew into it. Um, when I was at Reebok, I started doing, a t I was doing a ton of coaching. I mean, we're 35 hours a week on the floor coaching, which is a lot of time. Um, talking about squatting. Um, <laughs> and then, um, most, and then that, that went away a little bit as Reebok hired more coaches. And then we were able to share the time on the floor a little bit. And then I was able to do a little bit more behind the scenes stuff. I think I grew, I grew into it and I, I grew, um, 
maybe away from the role of wanting to be on the floor coaching every day, but continued the role of wanting to engage um, members and talk about retention and their experience and that kind of thing. Um, And then as I grew with Invictus, I grew into the role of wanting to sort of guide um, younger coaches and kind of, I guess, coach the coach, if that makes sense. Um, So for me, it kind of was like an evolving change. It wasn't like a aha moment where I was like, I don't want to coach anymore. Now I want to be a manager. That didn't really happen. Um, but I have seen it the other way where you've got, um, coaches who think that they want to quote unquote grow their career and then they stop coaching or they go from 30 hours a week coaching to five hours a week. And they're like, Whoa, this is not what I want to do, which is basically be behind a computer all day, which is what you end up doing if you're running a business of any kind. Yep. Doesn't, yep. It doesn't matter if it's a gym or, or not. Um, you maybe get to stand there in your workout clothes and be on the computer. That's, <laughs> that's the difference. That's, um, that's really cool. But, <laughs> yeah. For me, it was like a, it was like a gradual thing. Mm-hmm. Now you have talked a lot about the CrossFit culture and how this general manager that you put in charge of this has to have a strong understanding of that culture. Now, when I think about that, I think about, you know, I know everybody's name that walks in the door. I follow up with them immediately. Things that they need are readily available to them. It's a very concierge type service. And because it is so concierge that it feels like a beast to begin to create a standard operating procedure around delivering individualized service. Are you kind of Mm -hmm. tracking with me there? It's, Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so explain that to us. How do you create almost, you know, militaristic-like standard operating procedures? Because that's what you need to manage a large gym, mm-hmm. multiple locations. You have to have these things completely dialed in. How, mm-hmm. how, Lindsay, did you even begin to, you know, eat that elephant, for lack of a better term? Um, I mean, for thankfully uh, for me at Invictus, cause it was a, that was a monster task with the number of members. Um, there was some systems in place, um, before I got there. So it wasn't like I completely invented the wheel, the combination of, uh, my experience at Reebok and then my experience at Invictus kind of gives a, a really good idea. I, I took some different stuff that I used to do at Reebok, which was, we used to reach out to, um, five to, to 10 members a week whether or not they had been in the gym, I didn't, we didn't wait for people to kind of go away and forget about the CrossFit. Um, you know, I would make a list and I'd start to pull people just randomly. Um, of course, if you have, and most gyms do hopefully have some kind of, um, fitness software that they're able to pull a list of the members. And I started with just pulling random members and shooting them an email or call and saying, Hey, how's everything going? You know, great job on that PR, whatever it is. Um, there's two super important things that go along with this. Now, any gym manager, or any coach needs to be invested enough in their members where they know the member and they can pick out something and say something that's personal. Cause it's a very, uh, happy medium finding the balance between a personal connection. And like you said, tackling that beast and just going through a list of 500 members and reaching out and saying, Hey, how's it going? Because if you give them a canned text every single time, they're going to see your email and be like, forget it. It's spam. It's cut and paste. They don't really care. Um, so a good coach or a good manager has to know enough about their members to 
how are the twins? You just had twins two months ago. Like ask them how things are going. A good coach and a good manager knows enough that somebody's personal situation may be a reason why they haven't been in the gym. Like you just had twins. Maybe you're not really sleeping, you know, stuff like that. Um, I started with like pulling names at Reebok and just reaching out to people, um, kind of supposedly randomly, but then I would keep a list and I made sure I wasn't hitting the same person, you know, three times in a month. Um, so I continued that at Invictus, um, Invictus. And and I imagine, I hope most gyms are using their software to get a list of who's been in the gym, who hasn't been in the gym. Um, you know, hopefully there's a, a way to track why, um, whether that's in your, you know, fitness software, like, Wattify or not, um, why maybe being, you know, that they just had a family or they, you know, have been sick for a couple weeks or whatever it is. Um, and then keep in communication with people. Um, that's probably the, the best way to do it. The CrossFit model is not that of 24 hour fitness where they want to get as many members as they possibly can. And then hope at least 50% of them do not show up so that you're making the money and never seeing that person. Um, people are not going to spend 150 to three, four hundred dollars a month on a gym membership that they're not using. So you need to make sure that those people are actually showing up and actually enjoying their experience and they're getting some kind of, um, strong benefit from it. Um, and that's probably the, the biggest job of the gym manager outside of, um, you know, scheduling, depending on how big of a beast that is, because that's a big one, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Lindsay, I'm kind of curious, as you began to reach out to people, and I love this idea of, you know, remembering things about each person. So I have a couple questions on that front as it relates mm-hmm. to kind of engaging your community of members. Did you have, do you have any like tips or tricks? Like, you know what I mean? If, if a gym, you know what I mean? If a gym has a thousand plus members across multiple locations, mm-hmm what are kind of the devices that you use to know, okay, what is something personal about these people? Um, how do you aggregate this data about these different members? Um, and then mm-hmm. how do you go about sort of systematically making sure that these things are followed up on? Um, okay. So, I mean, you got to use your coaches for this too. The, the single gym manager, or if there's two or three gym managers are not going to know a thousand people. Um, it's kind of impossible, but, um, you know, a couple of things, pay attention, (laughs) get off the computer, put your phone down walk around the gym and talk to people, you know, because if you're invested, if you're actually invested in what's going on with somebody, you'll remember I did. Um, I could not from every single member of all Invictus locations, but in terms of the people that I saw on a somewhat regular basis, I could tell you their max, reps for just about every single lift. And I could tell you, you know, their the names of their kids and the names of their spouses and what they did for a living and all that stuff. Um, because you know, you just pay attention. Um, but you know, use the coaches for this stuff too, because if the gym manager at this point is not coaching that many classes, they don't have the opportunity to be in front of the clients all the time. So then the coaches need to get involved with the same stuff and you can use that whiteboard or Wattify, or whatever your um, system is for gathering athlete information um, to get additional information that's not specific to their workout. Like, what's your favorite cheat food? Where's your favorite place to go on vacation? How many kids do you have? What do you do for a living? Like, fun facts. Um, We did fun facts all the time. We would do it in the warm-up, 
Um, and again, the coaches can easily take this task on. Um, you do it in the warm up, write the fun fact down or, or add the fun fact to, um, you know, to the software, if that's the case and, and either take a picture of it or store that information and then use that information when you reach out to somebody, um, to find out what's going on in their life, you know, like use it to make that connection with them. Um, there's always a way in the world of technology, there's always a way to hang on to that information and then use it in another way. So if you're using Wattpad, you throw that info in the comments, you know, keep it with that person's um, workout or that person's info on their profile. If you are not using Wattify and you've got a, a whiteboard or some other software, you know, take a picture of the whiteboard at the end of the day, mm-hmm. store it in your phone, put it on a Google Doc. Like there's a million different ways that you can do it and then you you just use it so that people don't feel like they're just a number because that's what you've got to avoid and it's becoming a massive task in the gyms that are um, getting larger or expanding with multiple locations. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a coach that sees the same people the same time every day, hopefully, or at least a couple of times a week. Um, so that task can be made much, much smaller and more manageable if you've got the same coach who coaches, you know, a four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock class, and they see the same people that come to those three classes two or three times a week, then that number is maybe 50 or 60 people rather than 800 or a thousand. Um, and I would say for sure, use the coaches because that, that is part of their job is to know their people and to be able to reach out to their people and whether they, you know, whether they get that info and then kind of hand it off to you or whether they get that info and then use it on their own and they're also the ones doing member retention and reaching out to the uh, members either way is totally fine now Lindsay, i really believe so the gym owner for probably the very beginning of their business or for several years in their business they wear this hat um i've always Mm -hmm. told gym owners and i've always believed that when you're wearing a hat you should always pretend like and plan on a day when you're no longer wearing that hat and that means yeah. you need to create systems. So, you know, it, it sucks. It, it honestly does suck because at first you have to do the task and then you have to write right. down how to do the task. And that it sucks doing yeah. that. And, but I think it's really important that we as gym owners begin to think about, okay, there's a day where I will need to hire this person. So I'm going to document these key tasks that I do. And you've really outlined <laughs> one that I think is hugely beneficial and really geared toward retention. You had mentioned that maybe a GM doesn't necessarily have its own revenue line. I would say that retention is, I mean, obviously it's much cheaper for us to retain an existing client than oh, yeah. it is to get a new one. So I would actually consider these sort of retention-based tasks to be a revenue line. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you've really outlined a very key task that a, a general manager should be able to perform. Lindsay, can you think of any other key tasks that the gym owner listening to this right now maybe doesn't have a GM but probably will be ready to hire a GM within the next year? What are those key tasks that the gym owner is doing now that they need to begin to standardize to then offload onto that GM one day? Um, it, it's, this is going to depend on the, the, the gym and, and what they do with their programming, but, um, you know, programming might be one of those things. And then the gym culture is really important to kind of make that a known point across with all the coaches. So every gym is going to have a culture. Some gyms are very competitive. Some gyms are very family oriented. Some gyms are very, um, I guess, 
for lack of a better word, quote unquote, kind of old school CrossFit where they do a lot of hero workouts and they, um, and they, um, write on the floor with chalk and, you know, there's like murals on the walls and stuff. Um, and then you've got some other gyms that are, are looking to be a little bit more, um, I guess for lack of a better way to say it, like a little more crossover. They want to offer more things than just CrossFit. Maybe they're doing yoga too. They have a little bit less of a, um, an old school CrossFit mentality and they're, um, they're changing some of their programs and they, they maybe have different levels of their programs. Um, that kind of thing. So the, but the gym culture is so interesting. I can tell you the culture of a gym just by going into Wattify's customers and looking at their website and just right out of the gate, I can tell you, you know, kind the kind of the, the mindset that they have and any mindset is totally fine. It's all good. Everybody, you know, different people are going to gravitate towards different cultures. Um, but if you are the gym owner and you have a really strong, um, opinion on your culture, you have to make sure that the people that you hire are able to maintain that culture. You know, so if you're a gym that like wants to penalize people and make them do burpees, if they're five minutes late to class, that's cool. But make sure the coaches kind of uphold that too. If you're somebody who doesn't like that and that isn't cool and that's not in the culture, then make sure your gym, your coaches aren't doing that. You know, like you got to make sure that like everybody across the board is kind of on board with the culture because if they're not, you're going to have this one little thorn that pops up and it's going to be an issue again in your retention. On the flip side, every coach is different and everybody gravitates towards a different coach for a different reason, personality wise. And so make sure that it's not so um, standardized that the, per- the coach's personality is lost in the, um, the standard operating procedure. For example, um, one of the things that we did at Invictus and at Reebok CrossFit One is um, the coaches always came up with their own warm-up um, based on whatever the coach you know felt like doing, based on the energy of the class, based maybe on the time of day, that kind of thing. Um, I've always found that to be a great way that the coach can really kind of share their identity. Some coaches, and I was one of them, um, like to play games. I always said that you know people will, some people will pay for a good workout everybody will pay for a good time. And so if you can make the warm up and the atmosphere kind of fun and social and engaging, um, let's be honest, that's what most people who are crossfitting are paying for. Um, is that like social interaction? Um, and then you can also make it work so that the, the warm up actually is specific to the workout. Um, and you've got a coach's personality that's coming out in that, then you're in business. Um, and then it goes along with the gym's culture then you're on the right track. Did that answer your question or did I get off on the No, it really did. And actually, I really love where you (laughs) went with that, Lindsay. I would say probably the last five people that I've interviewed, um, almost unprompted, have brought up this idea of culture and identity in a gym. And I think that if you... It's it's crazy. I This idea that people believe that they can be all things to all people, it's just like you that you don't really have a business at that point when you try to literally cater to everybody because you can't like you really need an identity. I would say, especially, well, how about this? I mean, you have worked in fairly competitive markets, right? Like fairly saturated Mm -hmm. CrossFit markets. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, very safe to say San Diego is a very saturated CrossFit market. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, so, Lindsay, Mm -hmm. speak to that a little bit. How does in a very saturated, if you feel like, oh my gosh, there's uh, affiliates popping up all around me, 
How do you use your culture and your identity as a way to differentiate yourself in what is potentially a really crowded marketplace? Yeah, um, that's a great question. The first, I mean, the first thing, and I cannot individually take credit for this at all, but Invictus is an outstanding job of hiring some of the best coaches out there. Um, and so that's the first thing is that, you know, competitive wise in terms of whether or not the members are getting really good coaching, um, that was always a no brainer. Um, so we always felt really, really confident about that fact that the, that the members are getting amazing coaching, regardless of what class they go to, what time of day, that kind of thing. They're going to get somebody who really knows what they're talking about. Um, whether or not people gra- gravitate towards a certain person's personality or not will obviously depend on just personality combinations. Um, but I, I don't know. I always said um, dealing with members, you know, we every gym has kind of a rules, if you will, um, but those rules are never, ever black and white. They really can't be because you're dealing with people and nobody's situation is black and white. And I would say across the board, um, whenever there was an issue with a member, they maybe they wanted to cancel, they weren't happy, they wanted to make some sort of a change, um, wanted to put a membership on hold, whatever their issue was, because of course with more members you've got more potential issues, um, it was really never a black and white rule. You have, you have rules as guidelines because you have to, um, and if you don't have rules then it, it's a hot mess because then you, you've got nothing to go by. And those rules have to be sort of maintained and withheld like across the board. At the same time, you know, you're dealing with people and hopefully if you're running a a business where you've got a connection with your members, you're actually, if not friends with them, you have a mutual respect and you, you know, you want to treat them with kindness. And that was pretty much always just what I just what I went off of. Mm-hmm. Like just and just just be nice to people. You know, if someone's giving you a hard time, that's a different ball game. Maybe there's you know, I always thought like, well, what's going on in the background of this person's life that that whatever they're stating is an issue in their uh, in their CrossFit life. Is this really an issue or is this not really an issue? And we're just bringing it up because we have something else going on. Um because every good gym owner and every good coach knows that they are not just a, uh, they're not just a CrossFit coach. You're, uh, you're some, you're somebody's therapist at some point. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I just always thought like, I just want to be treated kindly by whoever I'm dealing with in that customer service aspect. Um, and to keep that in mind when I was dealing with people and their problems, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I really, that's that's incredible, Lindsay. I, I definitely appreciate that. I want to switch gears a little bit, um, talking about a second location. And mm. this this seems to be a, a big topic right now where uh, a gym is experiencing some success with their first location. And there's this thought that like, well, if I just go for the second one, I can just, you know, hit copy paste on this thing and be twice as successful with my second location. And I think you can provide a very unique opportunity because you came on as general manager at the point that a gym opened mm-hmm. up a second location. Um, yeah. Can you speak, are there any unique challenges that the gym owner with one successful location getting ready to open up their second may not see just right now? Um. Yes. I think there's always things that you don't see until you're in the moment. And then you're like, Oh, I didn't plan for this one. Um, 
silly things that you don't think are going to be an issue um, become issues, and some things that you that you didn't think you liked become great things. Um, so, for, for example, I mean, the Invictus is my my personal example, so I'll use that. Um, I will say that at the time that Invictus was ready to open a second location, they were more than ready. Like the, um, the attendance and the volume of members that they had in the previous location was overwhelming to the point where, um, classes were way more full than we wanted them to be, um, based on space, based on equipment, based on, um, you know, coach to athlete ratio, all that stuff. Um, that is not to say that they did it too late because I think if you do it too early, then you risk potential financial difficulties. Um, so I think the timing was fine. Um, the second Invictus location was created really, um, to help with the issue of, um, overcrowdedness really. Um, and so, Marketing a brand new location was not as much of a thought in that example. Um, it's only about three miles away from the original location. Um, however, interestingly, being only three miles away, it will, and they always do, take on uh, their own culture and vibe of their own. And you can't expect it, and you don't know what it's going to be, and you don't know why, um, but they they always do. So it was, it's very interesting to see that the, the three different locations at Invictus all have a different, um, sort of energy and there isn't one that's better than the other. Um, but they definitely, certain people will definitely gravitate towards one versus the other for whatever reason. I can say that one seemingly has a more competitive energy, um, a more, um, it's a little bit more crowded, you can say that one has a much more low-key energy, a little bit more relaxed, um, and then the other one is still pretty new, and so it's still kind of developing its energy, but it's um, it's it's really interesting to see why that happens. I can't really tell you why it happens. It just does. It could be because of the coaches that you have, because at this point, you've got multiple locations, and you can't have an owner or a gym manager be in there all day, every day, every second, and so the energy or the the vibe that the owner might have which is what probably um, started with that first location is potentially not going to be at that second location because the, the gym owner can't be in two or three or four places at once. It's just not possible. Um, so, but it's interesting. It will, it will attract a different demographic, even if it's a couple miles away. Um, that happened with uh, Invictus Point Loma. It definitely attra attracted a whole new group of people. And so what you may intend is to keep the exact same community and spread them across multiple locations um, is probably not what you'll get. Um, people are creatures of habit, and they will end up going to the same location at the same time, same class, same coach, because that's what they do, and that's what they're comfortable with. And so upon opening that second location, you have to be prepared for um, new people, different people, um, all that's good stuff. Um, but and they will create a different community within within your already existing community. So now you've got sort of pockets of communities. And um, it's just an additional challenge. You treat them kind of the same way because um, they're your people, but they are, they're different and they're going to do different social events and they're going to do different things together and they're going to become friends with each other and they're not going to be friends with the original location. That's just not how it works because they don't know them. Um, 
So there's all these different crazy things that happen when you intend on opening a second location and you're like, we'll be one big happy family and we'll all work out together and your members will cross between locations and that's, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> so give us a picture of this. You know, you had mentioned these class times being full and like just kind of this, I get this impression that things were like bursting at the seams at the point of yeah. the second location. Um, mm -hmm. give me an idea of what that means. Like just a, a kind of a picture for the gym owner that they can maybe look at a few days of classes and be like, am I actually busy enough to where this is a necessity? Okay. Well, the, in, the example of Invictus is that the original location is about 5,000 square feet. Um, they're running sometimes multiple class, not multiple classes, but there are some folks who have, um, maybe private clients or they're doing some private training while there's also um, a class going on. And uh, on a very, very busy day of class, uh, you've got between 30 and 40 members in a class, sometimes more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a big class. Yep. Um, that's a lot of people. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, I would say if you have classes that are under 20, it's not time. Yep. Okay. No, I think that's a great... Uh, I think even maybe under 25. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to look at the averages because if you have a random class that's 25 people, it's like, this is awesome. How often does that class get to 25 people? Mm -hmm. Does it happen once every six months? Does it happen four times a week? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what, what are we talking? And, you know, you can run reports on that and figure all that out based on, uh, with your software based on, um, um, you know, attendance by loca location, attendance by class, that kind of thing. Um, so you can get all that info, but if you've got a, if you've got a, and you also got to look at the averages. So if you're, if you've got an average number of people attending, um, a, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 PM and that class is monster, but you've got a 6 AM and a 7 AM and an 8 AM and a 9 AM and they're less than five people in a class. No, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you do not have enough people, um, because that average is not strong enough. Um, Absolutely. and you've got to remember that if you open a second location, you are going to lose some of those people potentially to that second location, therefore diluting the population in your first location. And, um, it's not fun to work out with two other people. That's not why people go to CrossFit. People go to CrossFit to work out with 10 other people, 15 other people, maybe 20 or 30 other people. They don't go because they want personal training. Maybe they do. Maybe that's something that you offer and that's a whole different discussion, a <laughs> different podcast and a different ball game. But um, they, they don't want to go, and, and it's not fun. The energy's not fun. So you've got to make sure that your average across the board, across all your classes, is somewhat high, um, and you don't just have one class that's, like, bursting at the seams. If you've got one class that's bursting at the seams, maybe you look at the schedule, you add two or three more coaches to that class, you don't open a second location. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to talk briefly about staffing that second location. Um, you know, as you were kind of talking to me about your – coaching experience you had talked about you first started coaching at synergy and you had another mm -hmm. job full-time and like that's you know what i mean so you're kind of doing that at the same time and i think that a lot mm -hmm. of crossfit affiliates start out that same way it's the owners coaching mm -hmm. every class and then we bring on somebody that you know has their level one and a full-time job and you know we ask them to yeah. coach a couple classes and and you sort of piecemeal things together as you become more financially viable as a business right um i would imagine uh in fact i know that uh when you open up that second location 
you have like your uh, month one expenses are full tilt month one expenses. There's no kind of ramping up to that. So um, can you speak at all to sort of the financial requirements? I mean, you're essentially hitting, you know, copy paste on your expenses for that second location. Uh, I mean, can you speak mm-hmm. at all to maybe some financial considerations that perhaps the gym owner thinking about location number two should probably consider before they start to pull that trigger? Um, sure. I mean, like specific numbers, I probably, every, everybody's going to be mm-hmm. so different in terms of their their finances. And then you take into account like um, just the area in which you're, you know, the rent at a, at a space in San Diego is going to be entirely different than the rent at a space in, you know, somewhere in the Midwest in an industrial, um, space that's kind of off the beaten path. So it's, um, it's, it's going to be entirely different. And the finances for each location are going to be entirely different. I will say that there should be, um, a good little nest egg if you want to start from square one, because if you're starting from square one, then you got to know, how much it costs you right out of the gate. You've got to purchase equipment from for an entirely brand new gym. You've got to put the floors down. You've got to you've got to pay the rent. You've got to have first, last security, all that good stuff. You probably should be able to pay the rent for a good six months, maybe more, um, with you know, without making any income because once you turn those lights on, pay for that equipment, you've got yourself in debt right out of the gate. Um, I think a long time ago, CrossFit published something about, you know, being able to open an affiliate and start one for like 50 grand. And <laughs> I don't think I, <laughs> I'm sorry, you might I be able to get rubber mats. That. Can you get uh, I mean, maybe yeah, you can get I, rubber mats for 50 grand now, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say that that's entirely wrong, but I would prepare to have more than that in the bank before, um, you know, just know, just knowing how much equipment costs and then knowing how much it costs to turn your lights on. And then once you've done all that stuff, we already talked about it. You cannot coach all of the classes because you are the gym owner and you can't be in more than one place at once. And now you've got payroll to worry about. And that is also a different discussion and a different ball game maybe. But now you've got people that um, are relying on you to be able to pay them. And so there needs to be a lot of, you know, probably cash stashed away and ready to take on those bills knowing that you may not be able to break even for six months, maybe a year, depending on where you are. Um, I think the, the second, third, um, location in a, in the CrossFit sense is a very tricky ball game and you have to be prepared for, um, for things to go really, really well. And you have to also be prepared for things to not go like you planned, um, because you've got you've got people relying on you at this point. Um, I also think that like, I totally understand the, um, the part-time coach situation. I totally makes sense to me. A lot of gyms I think are still doing, um, something where they're, you know, they're making trades with coaches and coaches are, are working for, you know, whether it's a free membership or they're, um, whatever the trade might be, because we're still in an environment where CrossFit is a very family oriented, like garage type business. Um, However, once you're at a point where there's multiple locations, I do think there needs to be some, maybe not all, um, full-time employees that are like fully invested in the business. Somebody that goes there every single day, um, maybe also on the weekends, and somebody that pays attention and that all of their attention and their time is directed at that business. Maybe it's both locations and maybe that's a GM, maybe it's a couple of coaches 
Um, but there has to be more than the gym owner fully invested in those people. Um, because it is just the nature of people in general and the nature of people's personalities that they, people just don't have time to invest all their time if they're going to another job for eight hours a day and then they're going to coach at night and they've got kids at home and that kind of thing. They just don't, there's not enough time in the day. Um, so there's got to be somebody other than that gym owner who's like all in, you know, yeah. they're going for it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's 100% correct. I mean, our entire discussion, Lindsay, has been about sort of creating systems around this business, creating the role of the general manager, exploring the idea of a second location. And, you know, for all of these things to be in place, like you have to have like legitimate buy-in to the mission and buy-in to what, you know, what you're trying to accomplish with this community. And you just like, you know, swapping out a membership is just not, you just can't swing it. I, I don't think. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, so I, um, last sort of mini discussion I want to have with you, Lindsay, is that I can imagine our listeners, um, potentially listening to this and being like, oh my gosh, the idea of like a gym with so many members that you need a GM, you got multiple locations that you're just going to dilute the community. Nobody's ever going to know anybody's name. And you know, this, it's just, that's not CrossFit, man. You know, obviously playing, playing devil's advocate here. Um, You share with us a little bit at the beginning, but I, I think from listening to you speak, I think that you can have a big gym and a very vibrant community. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, you can You can totally have a, a vibrant community and a massive gym. You just have to have coaches that care enough to pay attention to the members and, and in, instill that in the culture. It kind of goes along with the culture, right? So if you've got, um, if you've got coaches or managers that sort of um, come into the class, are sort of on autopilot, um, you know, maybe we're running a, this is an example, and, and this uh, this is a, in no way uh, intended to offend anybody that does things in this manner. But um, if we run a class where we um, write the work, the warm up on the whiteboard, and um, put it on a clock and walk away, and then when you ten minutes later, uh, it seems like people are probably done with the warm up, and then we say this is the workout, and we we read it off the board, and your people can read. Trust me, and then you you know, set a clock and you kind of maybe BS with your friends off in the corner and then you, you know, kind of walk away. And then maybe there's like a conditioning portion and you're like, this is what we're going to do for the conditioning. And then you set the timer and you're like, yeah, good job. And then, you know, you talk to your friend in the corner again and then you walk away. Um, you're not creating a community. Mm-hmm. doesn't work. Um, if you have coaches who are, or yourself are, are, Speaking to people at the beginning of the class, asking them how they're doing, asking them how this injury is, asking them about their family, um, asking them how their day is going or their week is going or what have you. If you organize a warm-up that engages members and asks them to engage with each other, um, whether it's like a stupid game where you you know throw a ball and somebody has to like say their favorite place to go on vacation, you know or a fun fact about themselves or whatever, or whether it's like super, super planned out and very intricate, um, probably doesn't matter. 
Um, or whether it's like line drills, even if you're doing line drills and you're, uh, you know, very specific and you're doing some mobility stuff, you can still talk <laughs> during mobility. It doesn't have to sound like a library in there. Um, you can give instruction on how to mobilize your, your lats and scaps whilst discussing whatever was on TV last night, just engaging your members. Um, if you go up to the whiteboard and discuss the workout and also give tips on, you know, proper mechanics of a clean and jerk. If you also, you know, talk about how to best execute the, um, the proper weight to use in the workout. If you talk about how to best execute, um, kind of the game plan for the workout, maybe it's a long one and maybe you need to, you know, have some kind of a plan going in. If you talk about modifications, because you're sure as anything have a bunch of people in there who cannot do what you wrote on the board and you talk about that in front of a group rather than making them come and ask you privately well what do I do for this because I don't really know and I'm brand new I've been here for three days and I don't know how to do a kipping pull-up or a butterfly pull-up or a muscle-up if instead of making that person come up to you in private you say hey if muscle-ups are not in the cards today this is what we're gonna do instead this is a great option this is a great option this is a great option any additional questions any, you know, any, anything else, any injuries or what have you, please feel free to let me know. Even better if you know about it and you go and ask them yourself and say, I know that shoulder is bothering you. Let's talk about what else we can do instead. Um, if you have coaches that are on their game from the very beginning of the warm up all the way through the very end of the workout, and then you discuss with them how the workout went, cool the class down, um, get their scores and, you have that engagement from beginning to end. It doesn't matter if you have a thousand people in your gym or if you have 12, you've created a community within your community and the rest of the community builds itself. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, I really do. I believe that it does come down to that class. Like it, that's, that's our product. You know what I mean? The delivery of whatever you're doing, that relationship with the coach, that is your product. And it's in that class that community is built and, I love the way you said it. Whether it's a thousand people or twelve people, that community is built in that relationship with the coach, um, Lindsay. So um, currently, you're the uh, director of customer advocacy with Wattify. Um, what are some things that you're yeah. doing in your role? Um, so right now, um, a, a lot of times I'll just reach out to customers, and um, you know, we have thankfully software is really helpful because there's a lot of customers, um, and I don't know all of them. They don't know me. Um, so I will reach out to customers and, and I know it's, um, it's kind of a pain because gym owners don't have a lot of time. I totally get that. Um, but I'll just say like, Hey, do you have a half an hour to talk about, you know, your experience with Wattify so far? What can we do better to help you? Um, what are some things that you're struggling with? Um, I said this before, I'm not the software expert here. There are a lot of people that know a lot more than I do about how to use this product. Um, but I do speak gym owner pretty well. So, um, what I, a lot of times what I do is speak to them and find out um, what their needs are. And frequently I, I say, I'm not really sure how to do that, but let me find out from somebody who knows better than me and get back to you, um, which is usually really helpful because um, software is a giant beast um, and most gym owners and gym managers do not have the time to really dive in and figure out all of the ins and outs of what it does. I mean, I'm one of them. I had an iPhone like everybody else. I don't know what the heck this thing does. I, it's got a lot of functions. I don't think I use all of the functions that it has. If I knew all of them, I would probably be a lot better off. 
Um, but that's kind of the point is just every gym will have, or every, um, gym owner will have like really strong needs, um, for one aspect of their business. And then they'll have some other stuff that they don't really use. And it just depends on how they run their business. Um, and software is one of those kind of like blank slates where like it's created for a certain purpose. And then gym owners come up with 500,000 additional purposes that, you know, no one else thought of, which is super cool and really, um, educational for us. But what I kind of do is find out what they need, what they're doing, and then, um, go back to them and say like, Hey, this is how we can be more helpful. Um, this is how you run this report. This is, you know, maybe a better idea or maybe this would work a little bit easier for you. That kind of thing. That's just kind of like a small part, but that's probably the main like overarching goal is just to be, um, to be there for the customers. Um, because I think, um, the mistake a lot of software companies make and not just gym software, but any software companies make is they have a lot of really super smart developers and they come up with what they want the software to do. Um, but the end user always comes up with what they want the software to do. And then there's no like communication in between. Um, so I mean, for, for me, super impressed that Wattify thought to bring on somebody that was an end user for a decade um, and wanted to know, you know, how, how they can sort of better communicate with the gym owner. So that's basically what I do. I speak gym owner and then I talk to software people and then I communicate back and forth. I I love that, Lindsay. (laughs) Um, In our discussion about being a general manager and really engaging with community, I heard you continuously come around to this idea of, using software to engage and retain your community. Um, Can you identify, uh, you know, maybe one or two ways that the gym owner is potentially underutilizing their software as a sort of community engagement tool? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so it really depends on what they have. And of course, there's like a whole you know, variety of different softwares that they can be using. So every software has its own um, ability and lack thereof. Um, I mean, Wattify specifically was created for, um, you know, athlete tracking and their results and that kind of thing. Um, What I do get from, I would say, almost 100% of the gym owners that I speak to, and of course, I'm speaking to Wattify customers, so they're using this tool, um, but it's that athlete app where they're able to put in their results. Um, it's not so much the athlete being able to put in and log their results. It is the ability of, for the gym owner to see the results, have that information, be armed with that information, and then know a little bit more about their um, member. Um, and then, you know, their people are able to, the, the community is able to go on and, and see what somebody else did and maybe like it or comment on it or what have you. Um, so that's a really strong tool to be able to, um, for the gym owner to be able to see what those members are doing. Um, not only just for their knowledge, but also like if you have somebody in class that, you know, two weeks ago, back squatted 250 for three. And then, you know, today they've, you're doing five and they've got like 150 on the bar. You're like, Hey, what's going on? Like what's, what's happening there? Um, so it arms the gym owner or the, or the coach, I guess I should say with, um, more information on their members. If you don't have a software that has that athlete information or the ability to kind of communicate, um, then most software does have the ability to take notes and keep those notes within an athlete's profile. And that's probably the other most powerful tool that you can use to um, just know what's going on with people. That's really it. Um, 
it was always a rule for, for me in both um, of my jobs that if you had a communication with, and this, I will say this is specifically about information that can be shared. Um, if there's like personal or medical um, private information that shouldn't be in gym software that it wasn't put in there. I want to put that out there for both of my former locations. That was not the case. We're not putting in things that was, you know, unprofessional or anything like that. But, you know, um, so-and-so has a shoulder issue. Um, they've been in pain for a couple of weeks. Like, let's check on that, like stuff like that, you know, um, personal, somewhat personal stuff that, you know, so-and-so, um, has been feeling kind of tired lately. They're not really feeling great. So-and-so lost their job. So-and-so's wife lost their job, like stuff like that, that isn't, um, stuff that you're going to announce to a class, but stuff that might be important, um, for the, the coach gym owner, someone to know about somebody in, um, about somebody in their class. Um, everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got a story and everybody has stuff going on in their life, whether it's uh, super exciting stuff, like they just had a baby or whether it's really terrible stuff that we don't know anything about. Um, and so just, having that information is probably the, the biggest key. Excellent. Lindsay, uh, how do people get a hold of you? Lindsay at Wattify.com. Awesome. So <laughs> listeners, if you have any uh, questions for Lindsay on how to utilize uh, software for things that you need done, a lot of the things we talked about, um, community engagement, administrative things, uh, tasks that a GM can take over for you, uh, reach out to Lindsay. I'm sure she'd be uh, happy to email with you and answer any questions. Lindsay, thank you so much for carving the time out today to come on the show. Uh, this this uh, turned out to be a really valuable uh, episode. I was kind of nervous going into it um, that you know we have such a sort of broad audience of gym owner, but um, I think some yeah. of the tasks that you talked about that a GM could could take over um, are things that a gym owner should and can start thinking about today. So um, you provided us with a, a tremendous amount of useful information and tips and tricks. So Lindsay, thank you so much cool. for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to help. <laughs> <laughs>